So the last couple of weeks we have been in this series called A King, a Priest, and a Kingdom. And I've spent two weeks talking about the priest, but it's time to talk about the king. Because we don't get, uh, if we don't get the king right, uh, we'll never get the priest part right. If we don't get the king right, we won't know what kingdom. And so part of the great challenge that I think all of us face is trying to figure out where do our allegiances lie and where do we place our trust? I mean, let's face it, it's not as though we live in a world today where whatever we see on television, we can take at face value. It's not as though whatever we read today, we can take as face value. And I don't really care if you call it fake news or just news or uh, that's not my war. But I will tell you this, uh, I, I see far too many things that happen in this world that are good that I think just kind of get washed away with the assumption that all the world is bad. And, and honestly, what I have discovered is there are a lot of great things that are happening in this world, but it seems to be that there's one commonality, one thread that runs through what seems to always come out for the good, and that is any time that we are trying to serve the king in his kingdom, as long as we get who the king is down path. Now, the Bible has several different things that we focus on, two phrases. One of them in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus. And then in Hebrews 3, 1, it says, and fix our thoughts upon Jesus. I believe without any hesitation, while we have been called as followers of Christ to live our life and serve as a priest, we will never get that right until we understand who's called us Who's equipped us and who do we serve under? Now, it's interesting. There's a guy that shows up in the uh, House chambers in Washington, and when he walks in like at a, uh, a State of the Union address, then he'll cry out, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. And he has this certain way in which he has to introduce him. Imagine the whole nation is watching, and if anybody still watches those, and as he walks out to introduce the President of the United States, he comes out and he says, ladies and gentlemen, Dave. <laughs> Odds are good he's not gonna do any more introductions, right? But the problem might be he didn't know who he was introducing. Maybe you just got a, a snippet. I've been places where part of my job was to introduce whoever the next speaker was, and I didn't get any information. They say things like I do when I show places, you know, just whatever, just tell them I'm here and I'll figure it out from there. And you know, and she so get up and I'll never forget, I, I did, I had never met this guy, but it was my job at the end of my speaking time to introduce this cat. And um, I read his name and I thought, huh, this is pretty interesting. So I introduced this guy as an Hispanic leader and an exceptional person, a guy that was an author and a speaker, and I kind of went off and on about the guy, and he walked out, and I'm telling you, this guy, there was nothing close to him that was Hispanic, <laughs> except his last name. And when he walked out, I just thought, yep, bet I don't get invited back to this one again. <laughs> and you know what? It's been a few years, and I have yet to be back at that one again. Sometimes you just don't know who it is that you're introducing. Well, what would happen today if Jesus chose to walk on the face of this earth in this generation right now? And, and what if he showed up notoriously like he did in the day that he walked in that first century 
What would happen if he hung out with notorious sinners? What, what if he hung out with folks that we just knew are bad folks? What might happen if we were to do that? Well, it didn't start that way, but it surely ended that way. So if you have your Bibles or you have it on your device, I want you to look for Matthew chapter 21. Matthew's gospel writing in chapter 21, beginning in verse 5, let me read the, the verse 5, and it'll pick up verse 6 on the screen in a minute. Verse 5 says, Tell the people of Israel, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. Now you say, all right, well, Chuck, what does that have to do with the king? Well, if you went all the way back to the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 61 or 62 and verse 11, listen to what he said. And this is decades, 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 and decades before this, the scripture says, the Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. Matthew is writing the fulfillment of what was already said hundreds and hundreds of years before by the prophet Isaiah. And so once again, we see that what was promised inevitably does happen. But one of the things that we struggle with, I think, is why doesn't Jesus just come to this world and just wipe out all, wipe out all bad and just fix all good? Now, here's, here's the startling part of this. So let's just take just a quick survey. This morning, let's just, we're gonna make this so easy for you. This morning, let's say that most of you got up at uh, seven, all right? You got up at 7 a.m. Uh, some of you got up at 10.45 to get to the 11 o'clock service. I got it, right? So whatever time you got up this morning, let me ask you a question. Since then to right now, how many of you do think you've probably already sinned today? Can I see your hands? Okay, how many of you say it's no possible way, Chuck? I had not a chance to get into anything yet. Well, I was giving you a chance to Miss Betty, you just sinned because I, I promise you probably have. Even you. I mean, you're like the closest thing I know to a saint. The great challenge I think we find is that when we think about the fact that the king has called us to be a priest and he's called us to serve in his kingdom, we may not understand what it is that he's called us to. So in Matthew 21, when we pick the story back up in verse 6, one of the things we find is that Jesus, as he walked in on that Palm Sunday, we always think that palm fronds and the laying down of the jackets, we have to think that people were doing that for a spiritual reason, but that's not true. This was what they did for conquering kings. As somebody would enter into a city that they had just conquered and that king would ride in, and that king would ride in and they would lay down palm fronds and they would lay down their cloaks that they wore. They were doing that predominantly as a political statement, not a spiritual statement. And so they expected Jesus to ride in as a king, but he, they, they expected him to ride in as an earthly king. They wanted Jesus to ride in as a king that would kick the Romans out so that they wouldn't have to be under that oppression any longer. They wanted Jesus to come in and bring a mighty army and wipe out all of, of their foes. But the fact is, we know that Jesus came to become King of Kings and Lord of Lords because he always has been King of Kings and will always be Lord of Lords. What we know now is that Jesus came and he rode in that day while they believed that Jesus had come as a political king, they began to soon realize he was coming to be the King of Kings. But there were others that struggled. Listen to the text. The two disciples did as Jesus said, they brought the animals to him and threw their garments over the colt, 
and he sat on it. And most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus. And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. He was in the center of the procession and the crowds all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, let's just stop there for a minute. The political statement is being made. This is our king. We're going to accept you. We're going to line up behind you because we know you're going to bring an army and we are going to kick these folks out of here and we'll be in charge again. So they're on board for that. But then there are some that start saying, wait a minute. Now, who is this guy? How does he line up? And the answer is, oh, you know, he's a prophet that has come from Nazareth. And I want you to hear a tad bit of sarcasm in the answer. Because on the one hand, okay, this is the guy we're behind, but okay, is the guy riding in on the little donkey, is that really the guy we want to vote for? I mean, he, he doesn't look like a king that's just overthrown a government. I mean, there's, there, we don't have drums bringing him in. We don't, we don't have armies marching with him. We don't even have people that have put him up in a chair that we're holding by a pole and walk him in while people are waving palm fronds and, 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 and grape leaves saying, oh, here you go. He doesn't look like a conquering king. And they say, well, who, who is this guy? And the answer is, oh, yeah, he, he's a prophet. Now, I believe that this was happening because the text says... And, and listen to it again. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred, so they knew something was special. But it also says the entire city is wondering, who is this? And the answer was that the crowds cried, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. But then Jesus goes on to do something in the next few verses that separates him from any king that they thought would show up. Because Jesus... He didn't go to a place where he held a scepter and sat on a throne. Jesus' first stop was at the temple. And watch what happens when he gets there. It's in verse 12. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the merchants and their customers. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those selling doves. He said, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a place of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and lame came to him, and he healed them there in the temple. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the little children. Now think about this. These are the religious people. They're seeing what's going on. And then they hear the children in the temple shout, praise God for the son of David. But they were indignant and asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying now i want you again to get the picture jesus has ridden in they've accepted him as a political king but jesus has not come to serve as a political king jesus has come to sit on the on the throne and be the king of our lives jesus came and instead of with a conquering army jesus came with the option for healing forgiveness and a right relationship with god the father Jesus didn't come so that we might go to war. Jesus came that we might find peace. 
Jesus didn't come so that you could have more people oppressed. Jesus came so that everybody could experience freedom. Now watch this. Jesus is in the same business today. Jesus still is walking through the aisles and walking through the different chairs here, stepping on some of your toes right now, and he's saying, I'm still not coming to do war. I've come to bring peace into your life. I've come to bring peace to this land. I've come to bring joy and to take sorrow and eliminate it with my glory. Now, you see, when we want Jesus to be the guy that's our banker, he didn't come to be your banker. When we need Jesus to become our boss, he didn't come to be our boss. When we say, Jesus, we want you to be our president, listen, Jesus is not going to step away from the throne room of glory that sits over the entire universe that is over all kings, over all presidents, over all preachers, over all priests, and over all of us. He's not going to leave that for anything but you because he came for you. This is what separates Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus came, yes, for his people, but he came for you. Jesus came because he wants you to know him. Jesus came because he wants you to trust him. Jesus came, and there are still people that are saying, you know what, who is this guy? I mean, there are people in this room right now, watching online right now, that are probably thinking to themselves, okay, I, I know about Jesus. I've heard about Jesus. As far as I know, I think he's cool. I mean, he was a good guy. We probably ought to be a little bit more like that guy. But isn't he just the same as like all the other folks that have gone around him? And Jesus came and separated himself from every king by saying, I'm going to give of myself, including my life, so that I might be buried and I might raise from the dead like no other has ever or will do. And I will done all of that for you. Now you say, you mean for the church, right? No, I mean for you. I mean for you. And you say, but, but Chuck, listen to me. You're a preacher. You're supposed to say that kind of stuff. If you had any idea what I was doing Thursday night, if you had any idea, if you saw how I lost it with my kids, if, if you had any idea how me and my spouse have battled this this week, if you had any idea how bad I dog cussed my, my boss this week, if you had any idea how much beer I drank last night, if you had any idea, you could go on with every story. Are you ready? This is what separates Jesus from every other king. Any other king would want to punish you, and Jesus, without condemnations, would say, I know, I was with you. I saw you. I still love you. Why don't you lay all that at my feet and let me pick you up? Because when I do, then you can walk with me. You can follow me. You can learn from me. You can rest in me. You can trust me. And I will never leave you. That's what makes Jesus better than any king and over every king. But there was a day that he came and he looked like an earthly king, wasn't there? There was a day that the people wanted that to happen. You say, well, but Chuck, doesn't the same thing happen today all day, every day? All day, every day. We have opportunities that the Lord literally puts and intersects in our life that we have the option to see that Jesus himself has ordained that moment for you to be his hands, his feet, his kindness, his grace, his mercy, but we blow it off and think to ourselves, 
you know what? I don't believe in that divine appointment thing. Well, look at me right here, okay? If you're sitting here right now or you're watching this right now, you are in the middle of a divine appointment right now. The King of Kings has said, I'm going to meet with you right now. And you say, well, I, I really, Chuck, I probably should have showered before I came. And Jesus is saying, I really don't care. Remember, I called fishermen who hadn't bathed in 30 days, and I did cool stuff with them. Well, I wish I, I would have dressed better. I promise you, I, Jesus is not impressed with your dress. Jesus isn't impressed with your pedigree. Jesus doesn't care if you have earned more degrees than a thermometer. What Jesus wants is for you to say, I need you, I want you, I accept you as my king, and you can sit on the throne of my heart. You see, this Jesus cares about you. Now watch this though. You say, but Chuck, how do I keep from falling in the trap? How, I don't want to be the one that misses Jesus. I, I want to lay palm fronds down. I want to lay my jacket down. But, but Chuck, I want to do that because I know he's my Lord. I know he's my savior. Well, listen to me. If you want to do that, get your eye on the right target. Get your eye on the right target. Early on when I said fix your eyes upon Jesus, it's more than just a song. It is a way that you can live a life in such a way that Jesus is truly adored by you, followed by you, and you can fall into his arms at any and every time when you're on the mountain or you're in the valley. I had a fellow stop by and talk with me and pray with me between services. He said, Chuck, my life, I can't even tell you how messed up my life is. He said, would you just pray with me? I was like, dude, sure, let's pray. And then I started asking him about his walk with Christ and his, his followship of Jesus. And he said, I just have never done that right until the last week. And I've given my life to Christ. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Have you followed Jesus in baptism yet? And he said, no, next week's my time. I am not giving up. I am moving forward this time. And I said, well, listen, here's my number. You call me Thursday because I want you to know I'm not letting you off the hook. Friend, listen, Jesus is walking up and down these aisles right now. And some of you are saying, Chuck, I didn't come here to hear this. I wanted you to be, give me one of those comfy, feel good kind of sermons. Wrong church, wrong day. <laughs> Get your eyes on the target. Fix your eyes upon the king and not on ourself. I mean, Rick Warren was right when he, when he wrote his best-selling book. The first line in the first chapter says, it's not about you. And could I just tell you, that's so easy to say and so hard to do. I mean, there's nothing like trying to pat yourself on the back. I mean, there's nothing like trying to, try to think that it's, it's about us. I mean, what would happen if the Lord Jesus chose to walk on the face of the earth here in Sugar Hill this coming week? What if the Lord Jesus decided he would show up here and he... He next week set up over in Sugar Hill in City Hall in one of their, their beautiful rooms, and he said, I'm going to start a Bible study. And there were about 40 people that showed up out of curiosity, and all 40 decided to follow Jesus. And the next week, there were 120, and they all decided to follow Jesus. And the next week, there were five or 600, and they all decided to follow Jesus. Before long, he would have taken over the bowl, and there's 3,000 people, and they all chose to follow Jesus. You know what would happen? In churches like ours and churches all around the county, you know what they'd say? Who is that guy who's stealing all our people and baptizing more people than we are and has more people in the building than we have? And you know what we do? We do the same thing. The problem is this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't care where it happens. You care who it happens for. You see, we haven't gathered today 
to celebrate Sugar Hill Church. We didn't gather today to celebrate our community. We don't gather and worship today because of Zach or Bobby or Tripp or Rhonda or me or anybody else. We have come today to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are here today to point people toward the one ray of hope that is left in this world, Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We have come not to try to sing in tune, but to offer worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, period. End of sentence, there's nothing else to add to it. But now watch this. I read the story that back in the 1940s, some British social scientists decided that they would try to do a study of the impact of the British royalty overseeing the country of India. And they had done such since the 1600s. So we're talking three, three and a half decades. I mean, three, three and a half centuries. And, and I want you to think about this. They found people well into their study, tucked away in small villages all over India, and they would come and try to get with them and say, tell us about the impact of what, what being under British rule has meant for you all of these years and your family going back generation after generation. And you know what they found? That in most of those small villages all over the country, people didn't know they had been under British rule. They hadn't even known the British had come. I believe there are people all across Sugar Hill, Georgia, and Swanee, Georgia, and Buford, Georgia, and Cumming, Georgia, and Gainesville, Georgia, and Duluth, and all around us. And you know what they haven't realized? Jesus has come, and he's here right now, and he's walking through this building, and he's looking at you through that computer, and he's saying to you, I didn't just come for anybody, I came for you. Yes, Jesus is going to return for his church, but listen to me. You are his church. If you say, I'm going to choose Jesus right now, he's coming back for you. You say, now, wait a minute, Chuck. All those folks singing hosannas to Jesus, they knew they had their man. No, 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 no. They thought they had their politician. What they didn't know is that they had their savior. But when the savior shows up, religious people get freaked out. Because Jesus comes with freedom, not with more law. Jesus completed the law that we might have freedom in him. Jesus came to settle all of our debts so that we might not have to live in debt with our sin. He came so that we might line up with him, not because he's an earthly king, but an eternal king. And he came and literally they were walking with the son of God and we think, how did they miss it? All right, now watch this. All these years later, we've had this sitting in our desks, sitting in our homes, sitting in our cars, and we look for it because we don't know what time to get it the next, next Sunday when you leave at 1055. And he's given us exactly how it's going to happen, how it has happened, how it is happening, and how it will happen. And you say, well, Chuck, how do people miss Jesus? You know why? Because we're just like them. I want somebody that will put more money in my bank account. I want somebody who will change laws in this land. I want somebody who will make education better. Watch this, folks. Listen, Jesus wants you. And when he gets into your life 
and you put him in the right priority of your life, what will happen is Jesus will indeed rule and the world will indeed change. Now, a lot of those folks coming down the mountain that day and headed toward Jerusalem, you know what? They, they had no idea that God was working his greatest act of love right in front of them. And yet I'll say it again, amazingly, in this room today, Jesus is walking up and down the aisles and we might miss him yet. You say, well, Chuck, how do I avoid that? Well, you know, and on the one hand, I would say, open up your circle to let Jesus get in. But on the other hand, I'd say, make sure that you jump into his circle. You know, we, we all have a sphere of influence in our life, but there, there should be none greater than King Jesus. There's a story that uh, I've known it for years. I don't know that I've ever used it preaching. A little boy, he's probably about nine or ten years old, and he, he's walking with his book bag after school, and he stops on a corner right here, and he's waiting on the bus so he can ride home. And it's a city bus. He lives downtown, and uh, there's an older fella dressed in a suit and tie and carrying a briefcase, and he, he stops and he says, Hey, buddy, uh, I don't usually ride this route, but what I do know is this. The bus stops on this corner. If you stay here, you're going to miss the bus. And that little boy kind of looks at him with a smirk and says, Mister, the bus will come, the bus will come over here for me. And the guy says, well, all right, son, I don't know who you are, but listen, I'm trying to help you. The bus stops here. See that glass thing over there? You stand under there. See the sign? It says bus stops here. Wait there, and the bus will stop. If you don't stay there, he's going to go by it. The little kid was like, okay, you can go if you want to, but I'm getting on that bus. Okay. So this fella goes on over there, and he keeps an eye on the kid, and sure enough, here comes the bus, and the air brakes pop on, and the door opens up, and that dude gets on the front row, and he's looking out the window, and the bus closes the door, and away it goes, and it's headed across the intersection. And sure enough, just like that boy said, the bus stopped right there. Air brakes go on, doors open, little boy throws his bag up in there, hops up on in the steps, the driver stands up, wraps his arm around that little boy, little boy jumps up in his arms, holds him and wraps his arms around him, and listen to what he said, Dad, it's been such a great day. And he looked at that one man and said, see, the bus always stopped to pick me up. That's my daddy. <laughs> hey, watch this, folks. Jesus wants to stop where you're at right now and pop the air brakes and open the door. And he wants to stand up out of that driver's seat because it's more than Carrie Underwood and he's got the wheel. And he wants to stand up and let you run up on the bus and throw your bag and your junk up on there and wrap up in his arms and let him say, I got you. Come on in. There's a lot of room on my bus. And when you get on my bus, you're on my time, which is timing, not your time, which is foolishness. And I'd say to you today, friend, I, I've never had to look back and regret the day that I chose to get on the bus with Christ Jesus. I've never regretted, I've never seen anybody regret that. Man, I've seen a lot of people come to faith in Christ. I've seen a lot of people say, Jesus, I, I want to give you my life. I want to call on your name. I want to ask you to forgive me. 
I want to accept the fact that you died for me and you were buried for me and you rose from the dead to conquer death for me. And I want to live for you. I want to make a U-turn with my life. I don't want to live for me anymore. And Jesus, would you come into my life and clean me up and start all over again? And listen to me, friend. The bus has just pulled up in front of you and popped the air brake and opened the door. And the Lord Jesus saying, come on in. There's plenty of room on my bus. But I believe like there were 10 or 11 folks at 930. There are folks in here right now that would say, I need that in my life, Chuck. I can't deal with a priest. I can't deal with a kingdom. I can't even deal with my family right now. But I got to get this right. I got to get something right in my life. Well, step one is this. Get on the bus. Jesus, I'm calling on your name. Would you save me? Would you heal me? Would you give me hope today? Friend, listen, I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle. I'm not going to ask you to do it. I'm just going to ask you if today that's the desire of your heart, if that's what you want to do with your life, just raise your hand tall for me right now. Go ahead. Just raise it. Listen, Jesus didn't die in secret for you. Amen. 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 Come on, anybody else? You say, yeah, amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? I, listen, Chuck, I know I need Jesus. I know I need on his bus. I know I need to get my life right. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Friend, listen. King Jesus will sit you in a seat of priority on his bus because you've become a part of his family. And a bus will always stop for family. This week, let him stop. Sometimes go sitting back there with you and let you pour out all the junk that's going on in your life because he loves you. Father, we praise you and thank you. God, I'm grateful for those six folks that were baptized today. I'm grateful for those folks that got saved today. And I pray, Lord, that, we'd, that we just know we can trust you that these folks who have chosen Christ would follow you in baptism and take that first step of obedience just out of love. And Lord, thank you. It's been good to be in your house today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Man, back on the border this past week, y'all, I, I saw stuff that just blow your mind. But uh, when I got to see those little boys and girls on both sides of the border pick out and grab those book bags that y'all sent, and uh, man, I was, it was just like the proudest pastor mode on a, on a planet. Because every, every one of those bags was like a kid, one of y'all grabbed and held and loved on. Man, I saw, I saw mamas just come up and grab my neck and cry, and she said, nobody does stuff for me. I had a border patrol agent, his wife come up, and they said, could we talk to you? And we stepped inside, and I was so grateful because there's 190 degrees outside. I was definitely losing weight. We went in the air conditioner, sat down, and this guy's choked up. He couldn't even talk. And his wife just looked at me, and she said, he wants to quit. It's all he's ever wanted to do. It's all he's ever wanted to be, but he's ready to quit. And I said, buddy, why? And he said, man, I just can't take it anymore. I, I just can't take everybody that calls me a demon and that I, I'm, I've been vilified, I've been demonized and man, I, listen, I brought toys from my own house for these kids. Me and my wife has gone to Walmart and bought diapers for these kids. But there's no way for anybody to tell me thank you, so I don't even, 
I don't know what to do. And his wife just reached over and grabbed him and hugged him. His two little snotty kids grabbed my leg and they're hugging me and I'm starting to blubber with him. And, and I thought to myself, man, you can't get enough of telling people how much Jesus loves you. You can't get enough of that. And if you don't do anything else this week, friend, listen to me. Go tell somebody how much Jesus loves them. And then show folks how much Jesus loves them. And let you be that person that he uses for that divine intersection. And I promise you, man, your life will never be the same again. Not ever. So today, let him go before you and make a way. And make your crooked path straight. Let him go within you. Bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment. Because he is always good and you are always loved. And man, when the world is beating you up, man, watch for him when he bends over a little bit so you can hop on his back and put your arms around his strong shoulders. And watch this. He's not going to ever walk you around that mess. He's going to walk you through the middle of it because when he sets you down victoriously on your two feet, he wants you to look back and remember, my Lord, my King, he brought me through. As he wipes away your tears and he kisses you on the forehead and as he wraps you up with his loving arms be quiet and still so you can hear him say my child say it with me i love you god bless you friends i love you church go in peace